Welcome to episode 100. I'm Luke, and this is The Luke Winstall Show. Today's guest is a Super Bowl champion who played on the dynamic mid-2000s Indianapolis Colts teams. He was one of the rare players in the league that got snaps on the defensive line and the offensive backfield, and was one of the best special teams players of his era, where he's known for the hardest hit on Thursday night football. D. Reed, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me. Glad to have you on. Well, we're here talking about the Hot List Camp. It's going to be in Villarica, Georgia. Big camp, over 50 All-Americans committed. You'll be coaching at it. It's coming up on this Saturday for a private Sunday for the public session. So coming in, what are you expecting? What are your thoughts as a coach here? Well, I mean, you know, I'm expecting some, some, to meet some, some really good players, um, to work with some, you know, really good coaches and um, from all, all around all around the country. And, um, you know, I'm expecting a lot of energy. You know, it's going to be high energy. Um, it's going to be a lot of excitement. And um, I, I expect there to be some diamonds in the rough to come out of there. And, um, you know, that's the one thing about the Hot List um, camp is that, you know, there's always some diamonds in the rough that come out of there that, uh, you know, the uh, the experts didn't know about before before the camp. So I'm um, looking forward to, you know, just helping out in any way that I can, you know, uh, giving those young young guys uh, a little bit of the things that I've learned over over my career and uh, helping them along the way. And, you know, hope, hopefully some of those diamonds in the rough really uh, pan out. Awesome. Well, you played in the NFL for a long time. You'll bring a lot of that experience in to talk with these guys. I'm curious. We were talking on the phone the other day about one of your highlights, the hit heard round the world type of play against Tennessee 2007. You're coming on special teams. So when we post this video, we'll have it playing over of the highlights. So take us through what's going through your head as this play is happening here. Wow. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to back up a little bit before I go into that play and just say, um, yeah, that that particular year, I was having a really really good year on special teams. I mean, that team that I was on, it, it was hard to get snaps on on the defensive side of the ball behind you know Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. I mean, they're they're in they're in every play, so you get in where you can when you're when you're behind a, a couple of future Hall of Famers. Um, but you know, special teams were, was what allowed me to you know get on the field and actually play for that for that team and. Um, the week before, I was actually special teams player of the week against the Texans, and so going against uh, the going into the Titans game, I guess they had a game plan to double team me the entire game. So when you watch that clip, I was actually double teamed, and um, the the previous kickoffs before that, they 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 hit me up pretty good, you know, and they they had me blocked up pretty good. They were throwing me into their their sideline, into their bench, and stuff like that, and I was. I just said in my head, if I if I can get free, there's nobody left to account for me, and um, you know that was the one time that I was able to get free. And so once I got free, I just tried to put myself in the runner's head, and I said, "What hole does he see?" And if you watch, you'll see me like go like this and then straighten up. And when I straighten up, I figured out the hole he saw, and then I just you know like a, like a middle linebacker. I just wanted to fill that hole at the same speed as he was going to hit the hole. So was I. Um, and so that that's that's what happened on that. And, um, you know, the rest is history. 
Wow, okay, I'm wondering now, in the special teams meeting room afterwards, what was the reaction when that film comes up the next day? Oh, man, I mean, the reaction was <laughs> crazy. I mean, the reaction just at the time, you know, you know, a lot of people don't know, we that was a game towards the end of the season, and um, a lot of our starters weren't, weren't even, even playing in that game because we already had, you know, our playoff spot secured. So a lot of those guys were in street clothes on the sideline, and that's why you see a Dallas Clark or a Robert Mathis on the sideline in street clothes because they weren't playing. But their, their excitement and their, um, it, you know, the celebration, them celebrating with me on that hit, uh, you know, it, it was it was incredible. It's one of those, you know, once in a lifetime moments. And, of course, John Madden was covering the game and, and he kind of put his, you know, his his uh, exclamation point on it. So that, that always that always just always sticks out in everybody's head. Definitely. Still a play that sticks with you and your legacy. Now, playing with the Indianapolis Colts, that team is so talented, especially that 2006 squad that ended up winning the Super Bowl. You got that title to your name now, of course. Now, on the defensive side, you talk about your time playing with Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, two of the best guys to ever do it in this generation of athletes. So what did you take away from that experience working with them? Uh, I mean... Like you said, that team was full of, you know, really great players, you know, on, on the offense. First off, on the offensive side of the ball, that got, you know, most of the credit. Um, and, and then the defensive side of the ball, even even a guy like, you know, Bob Sanders, that was defensive player of the year, um, you know, played just with a, with a lot of intensity. But um, I, I really got to see what greatness is and, and what it takes to be great and uh, what I understand or what – what I learned about greatness is um, great, great players um, are always striving. They're never satisfied. They're never, um, they're never okay with whatever accolades they get. Um, you know, we, we won the championship and like, you know, a week later, Peyton's like, okay, let's go get another one. Like, you know, so they're, they're, they're striving, they're reaching for, for the stars. And if they land amongst, you know, in uh, at the moon, they're, you know, they, they live with that, but they're reaching, they're constantly reaching. So their drive is just on another level. Their, their level of, uh, you know, um, com 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 their competitive nature, you know, all great players across all, all great sports. But in particular, that team, I mean, Freeney, if it was third down, he was going to be in the game. It didn't matter how tired he was. It didn't matter, uh, you know, how, how, hurt he was or, you know, what happened. He was going to be in the game and he was going all out. I mean, those they, they played so hard and, and practiced harder. So, um, you know, I, I really learned from their, their practice habits, um, you know, their eating habits. You know, Freeney, Freeney had, if you ever <laughs> speak to anybody else about Freeney, Freeney ate, he was one of the first players that I knew that had um, got his blood drawn and um, basically from that, um, from his blood, they were able to tell him what foods he could eat and couldn't eat that agreed with his body. And so he'd be eating like 10 Alaskan trout or something like, and that's what he would eat for, for lunch, like four Alaskan trout. And, you know, every day of the week or like, you know, 30 slices of watermelon, like every day like he was so disciplined they were so disciplined and um so that's another thing you know the discipline that it takes um to to play at the highest level and 
and to succeed and be successful and be one of the greatest. Um, it, it takes a combination of things. And there were a lot of players on that team that had all of those elements. And, and that's why it's, you know, maybe five, six, seven, I don't know, maybe 10 Hall of Famers from that team alone. That's for sure. Now, you mentioned the offense got a lot of the attention with you being on special teams, the defensive side. Maybe from the sidelines, sometimes you get some looks at what they were able to do on that side of the ball. So how do you remember that offense and those performers, Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, all those guys? How do you look back on that? You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting because I got an opportunity to actually um, be in that offensive huddle a couple times. Um, you know, that Colts team didn't carry a fullback, so they would use a defender as as the fullback sometimes. And and so I got the opportunity to um to play to play fullback in that offense. And when when you talk about demanding, um, you know, Peyton to Peyton demands you know, your best at all times. And um, that that team and that offense, and you, like you said, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and Edron James when early on when I got there, you know, they all had an unwritten rule that they were going to give maximum effort. I mean, and, and so, you know, it came from the top, even, even that organization, you know, from Bill Polian to Tony Dungy, you know, and, and trickled down to, you know, the players, Peyton and Jeff Saturday and um, Dallas Clark and, you know, Tart Glenn. And, you know, um, so it, it was just they, they, they really they really played together, played for each other and gave maximum effort at all times and always practice like Peyton never missed practice ever, ever. You know, I don't think he missed practice until maybe he had like a neck injury, you know, later on in his career. But he he was a guy who, you know, no matter what, he wanted to be out there like, you know, his his competitive nature was, is so high. So, you know, I, I got story for days on how competitive. <laughs> I'm curious, what was your first impression of Peyton Manning? You walk in, you heard about him. I'm sure he's been huge for a long time by the time you get to Indy, but what was your first impression? So <laughs> it's this story I tell all the time, actually. And it, <laughs> it was one of the first times I was I was undrafted to the Colts. And um, so I wasn't sure if I was going to make that team. And it, it was the offseason right after, you know, a couple of days after I got drafted. And we're in the weight room working out. And um, Peyton comes up to me and he so he goes, uh, it's nice to have you here. And he shakes my hand. And I'm like, is he talking to me? Like, nice to have me here. I'm lucky to be here, you know, you know, trying to win a championship off your curtails. So, you know, that's the type of leader he was, though. And um, he understood, you know, that he was the leader of, of that team. And I and I assume he went around to everybody and, and welcomed them to the team, whether, you know, it was a first round pick or like myself, a, a undrafted free agent that might not be here tomorrow. But um, he understood his role, and uh, he really made everybody feel special, and he, he made me feel special in that moment. Awesome. Well, what do you think made that Indianapolis team most special? When you look at the unique aspects of a championship team, what do you think was the aspect that put you guys over the top that year? You, you know, there was, a, there was a number of things, but um, the, the culture, the culture in Indianapolis was, uh, was, was very special. Um, like, like I said, from the top down, from Jim Ursay 
to, to Phil Polian, to Tony Dungy, um, the culture of that Colts organization and, and the players that they were able to bring together that fit that system and had the same um, almost kind of mindset. Um, I think that's what made it special is, is, is the culture of that team. And, uh, you know, you, you have a coach in Tony Dungy that, that really never yells, never, ever cursed. I heard him yell one time my whole career. Um, and, you know, it was like we were playing in, in, in uh, Tennessee and we had, we had got a third down stop uh, on defense and guys were walking off. Some guys like were walking off the field. And so we almost got like a, a 12 men on the field penalty. And he's like, that's not us. That's not what we do. And that's the only time I ever heard him yell, you know, and that was it. You know, when he talked to you, he was like a, you know, like a, a father figure. And, you know, he talked to you like, listen, I'm, I'm disappointed. You know, I'm highly disappointed in you. And, um, you know, did you think about you? Did you think about your teammates? Number one. So that type of mindset and, and setting that type of culture, um, it just spread throughout the organization where, there, there was no, no selfishness. Everybody was playing for each other. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of teams aren't like that because you have individuals, you have personalities. And, uh, you know, everybody had their individual personalities on our team, but everybody played for each other. And the year we won the Super Bowl, we were, we were playing for Tony. We were playing for Coach, Coach Dungy, TD as I call him. But we were playing for Coach Dungy. And, um, you know, he had lost his son, Jamie, the year before. Um, and, you know, it was a really emotional year for us. But we, we, we played together, but we were we wanted to win for him. Um, and, and that's what really made that that year special. For sure. Well, now it seems like you're trying to impact the game with the younger generation, working with coaching staffs, working with players now doing all these kinds of things, taking the knowledge, what you've learned, the experience that we've talked about with some of these great teams and making big plays on those teams. So what has made you want to try to impact the next generation and try to go forward and help some of the people coming up after you? You know, it, I've, I've always uh, understood that, you know, for myself, I, I, wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had the success that I had in life and making it to the NFL if there weren't, you know, people in the community, people in my family, you know, my, my grandmother, my grandfather, my mother, um, and, and other people in the community, the DiMartinos and families that took care of me and, um, you know, even friends that, that looked out for me that, um, that I wouldn't have been become the, the person that I am today, the man I am today, and, and certainly would, you know, probably have never made it to the NFL. Um, coaches, coaches along the way as, as well, you know, Coach Tom Sims and Coach Reed and Red Bank. So all of all of these different elements allowed me to become successful. So it, my second year in the NFL, you know, you know, shortly after we we won the Super Bowl, um, I wanted to start giving back and, uh, and and try to help some of the people that didn't have some of those people in their lives to help them along the way and try to help them, you know, like I was helped. And, and so I, I understood early on that it, it wasn't about me, you know, and, um, and, and that without, without all these other people that helped me along the way, I wouldn't have become who I, who I became. And, um, so I'm still doing that, you know, and, uh, 
you know, some people don't have, you know, a family structure or, or guidance or mentors and things like that. So if I, if I can provide that um, um, and help other coaches provide that, help other men provide that um, and, and be a positive impact in, in young men's lives, you know, I'm all for it. Awesome. Well, now we'll move into the second part to finish out the interview. I've got these cards called Pod Decks. There's one question on the back of each card. So we'll give them a little shuffle here. We'll see what we get. All kinds of questions, but we'll go I through a little lot, bit of I a rapid a lot fire. Of, I see a lot of Madden behind you. I see a lot of Madden behind you. Yes. Yeah, I've got every game 2001 up here, and then 2020's down here with Mahomes on the cover. But, yeah, I was trying to make a background, and that was one of the things where I was like, what could I do that's a little creative that I've so never seen had, before? you already had those. You already had those. You I didn't did not. have to go out and buy any? No, I went out and bought them. <laughs> so, I was like, you know what, this would be a cool idea, you know, and old video games are not expensive, so I just went through, I bought all the PS2s, the top two rows were like $35 total, so it was like, just taking them off, some old friends, it was a lot of fun. That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, thank you, I've got, let's see if I have any former teammates up here. I'm not sure, they haven't highlighted the Colts very much, I don't think so. No, no, they didn't didn't put, you know what, I think Peyton had the opportunity Mm -hmm. But that was around the time that the Madden curse was around. Yep. So yep. he's he's a superstitious guy. He wouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What were some of Peyton's like superstitions that you noticed? Oh man, uh, you know, I think I think everybody had superstitions, but um, you know, I, I can't specifically remember his particular superstition. But I, I'll tell you sure. this one. I'll tell you this one story real quick. Um. We used to we used to drive to Cincinnati the last preseason game of the year every year. Um, we we would drive to Cincinnati. It was like an hour drive or something like that from Indianapolis. And you know, usually the starters don't really play um, the last preseason game. You know, it's for the guys you know like myself that may may make the team or may not. And so um, Peyton, like I said, he he didn't like to not play, so he was going to play. Um, they they said, okay, we don't want to argue with you, so we're going to let you play one series. And uh, for those that don't know, one series means um, whether you get a first down or you punt it, he's coming out the game. You know, it's it's basically three plays, right? So, you know, or three plays or less, because if you get a first down in two plays or one play, he's coming out. That's the series. So not a whole drive, just a series. So... So he was going to play three plays at the most, okay? And we're, we're driving down to Cincinnati, and, and we're on the bus, and guys are playing cards and doing different things, listening to music. And and Peyton's in the front, um, you know, near the front of the bus, and he's watching film of Cincinnati. It's a preseason game. He's playing three plays, and he's watching film on the way to Cincinnati. And so I go up to him, and I and I ask him. I sit next to him or lean over, and I say, Peyton, what are you doing? you you're going to play three plays at the most. Why Why are you watching film? And he said, because for those three plays, I want to know exactly what they're doing. And that's how he was. That was the type of player he was. And he was, I mean, he was a junkie. <laughs> he, was a, yeah. he was a junkie. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's what, you know, that's what added to his greatness. Definitely. Wow. Good story. All right. Well, now we'll see what else you have here. Rapid fire questions for you. Number one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? 
never settle. Never settle. Never settle. Never let them see you sweat. Never settle. Never settle. Never stop. Never settle. Okay. All right. Number two. What is something that you like that most people don't? Maybe an unpopular opinion or something like that. I'm not going to say most people don't, but um, I really like to do jigsaw puzzles. Okay. Why is that? Yeah, that thousand pieces, 5,000 pieces. I, I started, you know, my grandmother taught me when I was young how to do jigsaw puzzles. And, um, you know, most people, when they do puzzles, they, you know, they look at the box and me, I dump all the pieces out and I throw the box away. And so wow. I just look at the pieces and analyze the pieces and, and start putting them together and uh, start with the border and then, you know, different colors. And, but um, it, it's really helped me analyze things as other things in life. So that's one of the things I like to do is uh, jigsaw puzzles. What's the biggest puzzle you've done? Most pieces? Uh, 10,000, 10,000 pieces. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And what do you do puzzles of? Like, do you have any specific patterns you like or pictures? You, you know what I like? I like sceneries. I don't like people to be in it. So <laughs> it's just scenes like a, like a, like a mountain meadow scene or like a, um, it's just scenes, a wooded scene with a lake in it and, you know, things like that. I like, uh, you know, different, different scenes and no people. I, don't, I hate when people are in the puzzle. That's just me. <laughs> I don't really do animals nice. either. I just want to just do the just nature, just nature. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. What do you value most in your friends? What kind of traits do you like? Uh, honesty, loyalty, um, and and respect. Those would be to me the the top three traits. You know, somebody who's honest, somebody who's loyal, and um, somebody who's respectful. Respect each other. All right. Next up, what is the favorite thing you've bought this year? Favorite purchase? Wow. Favorite purchase this year. Yeah, anything cool or fun? Not not anything cool or fun, but, um, you know, uh, recently I had a, a, a coach's clinic. So I had all this, um, this film, right? This film that I wanted to show for the coach's clinic. And, and I wanted to, you know, have it cut up and things like that. And so when I, when I went to go watch the film, all of it was on DVDs. And, you know, I have a DVD player, but I need it on digital. And, I you know, um, so I have a laptop and my laptop has no, you know, CD or DVD, you know, spot anymore. You know, they don't make those anymore. So I had to go out and buy a desktop, you know, with a like a CD-ROM, you know, type drive and, I, I, that was that's actually my latest my latest purchase is an old an old cheap desktop to actually just get the CDs into digital form or DVDs into digital form. Gotcha. Okay, I'm curious, how do you even approach the coaching clinics? Like going in, you know, people are coming to listen to you talk, but how do you go about presenting something that they you know haven't heard elsewhere? Something unique to you. You know, I, I stick to what I'm what I'm good at. I, I try to stay in my in my wheelhouse and not try to reach you know too much further up and talk about things that I don't know about. Um, so I, I keep it in my wheelhouse. I kind of stick to defense and specifically defensive line. And uh, you know, I like to work with other coaches and even learn from other coaches about other positions and other other um, uh, other aspects of the of the game. So I feel like I know. I know defensive line and uh, defense very well, 
and especially pass rush because I, you know, I, I feel like I play with Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney, right? So, you know, the, you don't have, you know, better pass rushers. I also play with Elvis Dumerville in Denver, who is another great pass rusher. So, um, and I, and I got coached by one of the greatest pass rushers in NFL history, John Tierlink. And, um, so those are the areas that I, I, I kind of, uh, stay in, um, to, that's where I feel I have the most expertise. Definitely. All right. Another rapid fire for you. What do you consider your greatest achievement to be? I think, I think my great, my greatest achievement was, um, was probably making it to the NFL. Um, I can't even say it was winning winning the Super Bowl. That's a great achievement, but just just making it to the NFL is is so is so tough. I mean, they they say you know the chances of making it to the NFL are like you know um, your chances of, of winning the lottery are better than making it to the NFL. You know, so um, I think a lot of people don't understand that that what it actually takes and the the, the, the dedication and the the uh, sacrifices that it that it takes to to make it to that level and and to play you know a couple years or five years like I did. Um, some guys have you know 10, 20 year careers like a Tom Brady and an Adam Vinatieri, but you know for me to, to for me to make it and make that Col- great Colts team that that's that that's what I would say. One thing that's unique from your perspective that most of us will never be able to experience is. Being in the middle of this dynamic of Brady versus Manning, something like that that's nationally known, everyone's talking about it, like, you've you've played on the type of stuff that they make documentaries about now. Like, these, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, they're coming out like, hey, let's take a look back now that, you know, Brady's at the end of his career, Manning's finished now, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, so... You look back at that, you've played in those games. So how do you remember from your unique perspective, Brady, Manning, those types of games, those competitions, what sticks out when people mention that to you? Well, number one, I'm, I'm four and one against Brady. I'll start there. There we go. My personal yeah. record against Brady is four and one. Um, so that, that always sticks out for me. But um, as far as, you know, it, it's Brady and at that time it was Brady and the Patriots. And it was like, when I came into Indianapolis, they were like the arch nemesis of the Colts and and and, and Peyton, you know, and they they really um, really game plan the Colts almost better than any other team um, that we played against and and really understood what we wanted to do best and you know Bill Belichick that that's what he hangs his hat on is being able to stop a a team from doing what they do best and um, even the way they played against you know they would chip. Dwight Freeney and, you know, with running backs and tight ends and they weren't going to let him get to Brady. Um, but that Brady-Payton matchup, um, which they actually don't even go against each other, but their teams play against each other, right? Um, I think they had the greatest amount of respect for each other because it was almost like a mirror image, right? You have, you have two great players that want to be the best. That's the only reason Brady's still playing. So that when when he's done, you can you got to say he's the best or one of the best or he wants to he wants it to be undeniable that I'm the best. That's that's why he's playing, and so that's the same reason Peyton continued playing and went on to Denver. He wanted to go down as the best, as the greatest, and you know. So you have 
two mirror images of players, you know, different, slightly different playing styles, um, slightly different talents, right? But um, they're, they're the same type of person. And that's why you see them doing, you know, commercials and TV shows and, you know, things together now because there's a great amount of respect for how they approach the game. That's what it's all about, their approach. And they, they know how much work, time, effort, sacrifice went in to preparing for each other's teams. And um, so, it, I mean, to be a part of that was, I mean, that uh, I, that team, that, that Brady team with him and Moss, oh, my gosh, lights out. <laughs> that's the team, I, that's the one loss I do have. The one loss, <laughs> yep. <laughs> was against, I mean, Randy Moss, I think he, he, he must have caught, like, like 10, 11 catches for 187 yards, two, three touchdowns. It was just ugly. We we couldn't do anything with it. Wow. Okay. All right. Next up for you. What would be your best day ever? Like what? How would you schedule it? How would I schedule it? You know, I'm a, I'm an early riser. So uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't even know if I could sleep in. So. So my best day ever. Okay, so I, I would I would wake up, um, wake up, you know, around around sunrise, you know, maybe around five thirty right now, uh, a little bit before sunrise, and catch the sunrise. I would be um, on a, on an island, right, you know, in um, the Caribbean or um, yeah, the Caribbean. Caribbean. I'm on a Caribbean island, you know. I'm catching the sunrise, um, and, and I'm on the beach. And the rest of my day is exactly whatever I want it to be. <laughs> so, you know, I, it, it wasn't, I, I wouldn't even necessarily plan it out, you know. Um, maybe there'd be a couple things that, you know, I want to get to that day. But um, the, the perfect day for me is one where I get up early, catch the sunrise, and the rest of the day I, I do whatever I want to do that day. It's like awesome. a person life, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have that freedom. Yeah, yeah. That'd the be island great. is okay. important. Being on, being on that island mm. is important. <laughs> so you're a beach guy. I take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and until it's hurricane season, then then we gotta of go. Course. We gotta go up north. <laughs> right, right. Be a uh, opposite of a snowbird, right, I guess. Right, uh, right. Get out of the hurricane territory. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, you've done a lot of cool stuff. You've obviously got a lot of football talent that you've cashed out throughout your career. What is one talent that you don't have that you'd most like to have? A talent that I don't have. This isn't this isn't like some imaginary like invisibility type thing. Um, okay, a talent that I don't have. You know what? I'll I'll say this. I know a talent that I don't have that that I wish I had. I, I wish I was faster. Ah. I wish, like, I was slow, okay? You know, I watched a lot of film, played real hard. But in 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 respect to NFL players at my position, the, you know, the top players, most of them were faster than me, you know? Um, but uh, if I if I ran, like, you know, a 4-4, four, 4-3, four, four, like Freeney and Mathis, I think I, think I would have been a, a slightly better player. I think I've been a slightly better player. I definitely would have got a, a lot more sacks than I got. So, um, but that that's if I was if I was a little bit faster. I, I ran a four ever. I, I needed a four four. I needed a four four. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, D. Reed, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you for your time. No, I appreciate you having me, Luke. And, um, you know, if you ever want to, you know, play some mat and let me know, we'll get after it. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> all right. Awesome, D. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care.